0: At any time. (laughs) How's everyone doing still? Good? So good to see each and every one of you. We have a new member in our family. It's a robot. (laughs) I had you go in there for a little bit, didn't I? We, uh, We recently, oh, it's been a year or so ago, we remodeled our house, and we took out most of our carpeting and put in... What looks like hardwood floors, they're really vinyl floors, the planks that you put down. And so our method of cleaning has changed quite a bit. We don't use the vacuum nearly as much. So for Christmas, I thought I would get uh, Darla a robot mop. And so he was running around the other day doing his little thing. And I told Darla, I said, I think he's got an attitude. Because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, they've got all these different kind of sensors on them. And I, w- I would walk toward it and it would sometimes back off like this, and then sometimes it would just rush right toward me. And then you would see it get kind of caught up on a piece of uh, molding, and it's like it was really mad, you know, It's like, I gotta <laughs> get off of this thing. And so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what's controlling this thing? Is it, is it a program, really, or is it really got its own little personality? Well, of course, it's programmed, right? It doesn't have, it really doesn't have a personality. It has a program controlling it. And so my question for you today is what controls you or who controls you? What makes you do the things that you do? And of course, first of all, your response might might be, well, it's me. I'm the one who controls what I do. And so we have everything that makes up a person trying to control a person We have the flesh, which the Bible speaks of. We have our physical body with its desires that's trying to control us. We even have emotions and heartfelt affections like pride and sometimes love even that motivates us. And I guess it all comes around to the question of what place does God play in your life and what place does God play in what you do? And then where should he be at? If he's not a priority, where should he be at? So we're going to go read our scripture, and this is where I jokingly said I'm going to make you stand up again. So let's go ahead and stand for the scripture today. The scripture today is 2 Corinthians 5:14 through 17. Hopefully you already knew that from the handout that I have given you. And one, I have to say this is one of my favorite scriptures, and I don't think I've ever preached on it before, which is really kind of strange because I... I like to preach scriptures that I really like, but this is a a special one for me. And uh, so I'm trying to give you a little bit of time to get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. We might also mention verse 21 a little bit later in the sermon. But this is God's word. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, And then if you do go down to verse 21, let's go ahead and read it now. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray over these scriptures. Father, we thank you so much for these words of Paul that he's written to the church at Corinth. And we thank you because not only were they written for their instruction, but they have been passed down these many years and kept and preserved for our instruction here today. And we pray that you will speak to us from myself, but also specifically from these words to let us know what you have done for us and how we are to live our life today for your glory. And so we pray that you would do that, that you would not only work in our life, but through the spirit within us, just illuminate these words so that they become real to us and that we might learn from them and apply them in our everyday life. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So our message for today is not too difficult, is that in Christ we are a new creation with new desires and a new master. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, first of all, just let me say that it, you know, it, it is great to start a new year. And uh, this is not an unusual scripture for people to preach on at the beginning of a new year. And I know we're all looking forward to the new year. But the truth of it is, is that we are a new creation in Christ every day of the year, right? We always have opportunities to start over. It's not just uh, December 31st going into January 1st that we have the opportunity to stand over. Start over. We have that opportunity every day of the year. And so, as we go through this, this is supposed to be a message of hope. It's a message that if we have messed things up, we can start all over. It's a message for the beginning of the year, but also a message for every day, minute, and second of our lives. And we've mentioned this before, but after 2020, we do need some kind of a reset, right? We need a new beginning. And this is a message today that we who are believers in Jesus Christ are new creatures in Jesus Christ. And so Lamentations 3.23 comes to my mind when I think about this. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness. God is always there for us, right? Anytime that Something difficult comes in our life, or maybe we sin, or maybe we mess up somehow. He's always there for forgiveness and for mercy and to give us a new and fresh start. And so, the meaning of our text today, I think, is relatively clear. In Christ, we are a new creation. In Christ, we are a new creation. We should shout amen to that, right? Amen. 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 In Christ, we are a new creation. I've never heard anyone say, well, you were a new creation, but you're, never, you're not any longer a new creation. You are a new creation. Even if you have been a Christian for 45 years, which is about the time I think I've been a, a, a Christian, um, I am still a new creation in Christ. God is not finished with me yet. He is still doing a work within me. That doesn't mean that we are still infants in our relationship with God. Of course, we are supposed to grow in our relationship, But in a sense, we are all a new creation. We all have that new car smell kind of like, if you you get my drift. Uh, By that, I mean all things are still possible in our life. Uh, Nothing is being held against us. And so it's very clear in our scripture today that we are a new creation in Christ. And we might ask the question, well, why do we need a new creation? Why do we need a new beginning at all? And, of course, you have heard this story and are very familiar with the gospel message, but at one time we were dead in our sins. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about us being dead in our sins and about the wrath of God being upon us. You see, sin does one thing that uh, is, is just terrible in our lives, and in that fact is that it separates us from God and makes us impossible for us to have a relationship with him and so something had to be done about that sin and we know the story about Jesus coming being born we know that he died on the cross for our sins uh, to pay the penalty for our sins but we need more than just a second chance right we need a brand new beginning and that's what the new creation gives us Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. This is equivalent to the new creation. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born with a new nature that no longer has a bent toward sin. And, you know, we we date our years by A.D. and B.C., but we could date our spiritual lives by B.C. and A.D. as well, right? Before Christ... Before Christ, we were in our sin. We did nothing but sin. We wanted nothing but to disobey God. And there had to be a change. There had to be a new creation with a new heart. And that's exactly what he gives us in the new creation. Now let's talk a little bit about this new creation, what it is like. First of all, the scripture says that our old self has died It has passed away, and we need to remember this, right? Our old self, if we truly come to know Christ, if we truly given our hearts and our minds over to Christ, then we must realize that our old self has died and passed away. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't come back and try to rear up his head again and interfere in our life, but positionally our old self has died it has passed away and we need to remind ourselves of this when he tries to rear his head and cause trouble in our life we need to remember that he has died and passed away the old self uh, has passed is the sinful self it's the selfish self it's the self-loving self and it's the world loving self that person has passed away. Paul puts it pretty succinctly in Galatians chapter two. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the first thing we need to remember about being in Christ and being a new creation is that the old self has died and passed away but we have a new self, right? (laughs) God did not leave us without a self. We have a new self, it's a self of faith. As we just read in Galatians 2.20, we now live by uh, faith in the Son of God. It's for all who have genuinely received Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we continue and enter into this relationship by faith, but we also continue to live by faith each and every day, right? He asks us to do things above and beyond what we would normally think that we could do because of the Holy Spirit that was within us. This is part of the new self, is that we have help to live the Christian life. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit in your life? Amen. And he's, he's sometimes a quiet partner that I don't, I don't hear audible voices from the Spirit, but he does speak to me from his word And he has empowered me and he has empowered you to do things above and beyond. And so the old life was a natural life. We now live a supernatural life, or at least we're supposed to, right? The thing of it is, is that uh, to live a supernatural life, we must step out in faith. (laughs) It's not always the easiest thing to do, right? I feel pretty comfortable up here behind this podium. Now, I don't feel quite as comfortable when I step out here because I haven't done it for a while and speak to you from out here. But in order for us to live a life of faith and to walk by faith, we have to take those steps sometimes. For you, it may be praying out loud for the first time. Someone asks you to pray out loud and you're terrified about doing that. But you do that and you see how God is faithful and brings you through that and you grow in your faith. I remember the first time that uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, and I have told this story before about me going out and sharing my faith. That's one reason I didn't want to become a Christian for a long time. As I knew from my grandma, a true Christian shared their faith. And she did with me. And that's how I come to understand the gospel. But when it came time for me to share the gospel, I was petrified. I was petrified. And I'd had training, but I was still petrified. But you step out on faith, right? You step out on faith and you do that. And you make it through and the world keeps turning around and around, right? You think the world's going to come to an end. It doesn't. You can do it. God has empowered you through the Holy Spirit to do that. And maybe the person even came to know Christ. But you did it and you grow in your faith. That's what this new self is all about. It's about stepping out in faith and living by faith. You know, if God is faithful enough to have us entrust our very soul to him and deliver us from hell, he's surely going to give us the ability to share our faith with other people, right? Or to give above them our means would be another thing. There's there's a variety of ways in which we can step out in our faith. And so we have a new self, which has been attached with the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to live this new life and it's more than just a new beginning. It's a second nature. That old nature that has passed away is powerless It no longer has any power over us, right? No, we're no longer under the dominion of darkness. We're part of the dominion of light. And so Satan, the old self, no longer has power over us unless we give it some kind of power, <laughs> which we don't want to do. But the new nature is willing and is able through the Spirit of God to do the will of God. And so we have a self that has not died. We have a new self, but then we also have a new focus. Look at verse number 16 again. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard No one according to the flesh, even though we once required Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Well, what's he he trying to say here? I think what he's trying to say here now is that once we come to know Christ, then this world and this flesh, this body, these things are not as important as they once were. Now we are focused on the eternal things, right? We, we, we seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. We know we're commanded that in Matthew 6, 33. And so the flesh is no longer important to us. We are to focus on the eternal things of God. And so what are some of the eternal things that we should focus upon? Well, one of them is the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is eternal. It was established when Jesus came. It's kind of here, but yet it's not here in complete fulfillment. When he returns the second time, he will return and bring that kingdom with us and establish it on this earth. So we should be focused on the things of the kingdom, which means sharing Christ with people, right? Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. So we have this uh, new self. We have... A new focus but we also we have a new love and uh this is a verse that i've meditated on for quite a while <laughs> probably one of the first verses that i'm that i memorized and it may it may seem like a simple verse verse number 14 but i believe there's a lot in here for us and verse 15 as well let's read it over again says for the love of christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised we have a new love amen Amen. when we come to know christ and if our profession of christ is genuine we're doing it for the right reasons we're doing it for the glory of god and for the love of the savior who's willing to die on a cross for us then we have a new love and you you understand what that means everything about our life has changed now when i when i became a christian it was i was i believe 18 and uh most people would have said well robbie they would have called me robbie because that's what they called me then they would have said, well, Robbie's a pretty moral person. And as far as the world was concerned, I was. I mean, I, I didn't smoke. I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. Not that I was perfect. No one's perfect, right? Uh, but they would have said I was a good moral person. But deep down, <laughs> had a deep-seated rebellion against God And when I received Christ, that all changed. I no longer rebelled against God. I surrendered rather to God. I was eager to do the things that he wanted me to do for him. And I believe that's the way every person who's genuinely converted, they will have a new love. And and this is the love that they have for Christ. Now, I want to talk about that term just a little bit, for the love of Christ controls us because I think this is key. Many versions change that word control. So some, some versions may say, for the love of Christ constrains us. Anyone have a verse that says constrains? <coughs> nope. Anyone have a verse that says, for the love of Christ compels us? That's, okay, probably King James or King James. You know, New King James. There's a, there's a verse that's, I can't remember what, uh, what translation it is. It, it says constrains of, as well. Constraineth in, in the Old King James, Older King James, yeah. So different kind of different flavors for the same word, what that what it might mean. But before we talk about that, let's talk about this term for the love of Christ. What's, what's he talking about there? Uh, I have questioned this for a long time, and it may seem simple. It's probably one or two things. You should, And I'll see what you guys think about it. It could be Christ's love for us, right? For the love of Christ. It could be Christ's love for us. Christ's love for us. He died for all. He gave us an example of selfless love. And it gives us a motivation to love others sacrificially. It could be Christ's love for us. And if you're looking at your commentaries, commentaries differ on this. Other commentaries, and my leaning, is that it's our love for Christ. Do you get the difference there? One of them is Christ's love for us. The other way of looking at it is, is our love for Christ. In other words, we could, we could say, is, uh, you know, circumstance number one, Christ's love for us controls us. Christ's love for us compels us. Christ's love for us constrains us. Or it could be my love of Christ controls me. My love of Christ constrains me. My love of Christ compels me. It's difficult to know which way to go on those. And so what do I do? I go both ways. (laughs) It could mean both, right? It could mean both. It could mean both. But in one sense, Christ is the example. His love is the example for us and is a motivation for us to serve others sacrificially just as he loved us sacrificially. On the other side, it's our love for Christ that constrains us maybe from committing a sin that we would otherwise not even think about. But because he loves us, we love him, and it constrains us. It compels us to act in a certain way. I think both of them fit. And so ultimately, because he loves us and he loved us first, we love him. We have a new love, but then finally, because of his great love for us, we have a new master. Jesus is our master, right? He is our Lord. And so there there really is no salvation without receiving Jesus as savior and lord and there have been people who have tried to separate those two and said well you can receive Jesus as savior and receive him as lord later but i see i see that scripture does not say that you know i b- i believe scripture says that when we receive Christ as savior we receive him as savior meaning we know that his death on the cross was sufficient for our, the pay the penalty for our sins, but we also believe and trust in him as Lord. He has the right to command us what to do and we should be willing to follow that right I believe I believe that's the true teaching of the gospel and it's borne out by verses like John 316 and John 336 right John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then John 3.36 says that those who believe him will obey him. And so, uh, I, you know, we have a new master. And it very clearly says that in verse number 15, that he died for all, that those who live, those those who live or those who accept Christ as Lord and Savior and have eternal life might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's pretty clear, right? <laughs> it's pretty clear that when we die, when we, when we become Christians, our old life dies. We say, It's not gonna be about me anymore, it's gonna be about Jesus Christ. I'm gonna follow him with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. He is the number one priority now. I'm going to follow him. Because we might live no longer for ourselves, but we live for him who for our sake died and was raised. And so I go back to my original question who or what controls you. The robot robot had a program, right? He had a creator who programmed him. Uh, We have a creator. I don't believe he programmed us like a robot, right? I believe in predestination. I believe in election. I believe in all those things, but I do not believe he made us like robots. We have a will, and it is enslaved when we are BC before we are Christians it is freed when we become Christians And so who controls you? Money does money control your final actions is is your life all about your money how much you have how much you can stand uh, spend how much material wealth can you gain? how much can you put up for retirement which you'll probably never, have the opportunity to use. Is it time? Here's, this is a difficult one before you shake your head. No, it's not time. Think about how you use your time. You know, I've been to those time management programs where they ask you, write down every 15 minutes what you do. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that for two or three days? It's very convicting. We, we waste a lot of time. And it can become a God to us. It can be something that controls us, the use of our time. Our hobbies can be the same way. They can control our time. We have time for hobbies. We have no time for the church or for the work of the kingdom. So we have to ask our question as we begin this new year and, and this new part of our life. Are you living for Christ? Christ should be first in your life. It requires us to surrender ourselves to Christ. It it requires us really to step out in faith, right? To go a place where maybe we've never gone before. Maybe to give in ways that we've never given in the past. Maybe we, in our budget, we have not fitted in to give large amounts of money or maybe even a tithe. And now you're asking us to do that, to surrender to him. Maybe God wants you to, this year, spend more time with him. You know, I'm a big believer in quiet times and spending time with God because I believe if everyone had consistent quiet time and time with God, I would be a lot less essential. (laughs) Right? I would be a lot less essential. Uh, No, God has set it up for churches to have pastors, but... Uh, you know, I love a church where the people are doing the work of the ministry. And this is a church like that. But not everyone's doing the work of the ministry. And so, uh, who is controlling your life? It should be Jesus Christ. That's the best place. That's the most place full of joy, peace that you can ever be. So spending time with God might be a good priority for you this year. Let's close with a word of prayer, but I want to give the opportunity for someone if they've never received Christ to do that. And we've talked about this before, many times before, but we need Jesus as a Savior and Lord, right? We have a great need for him in our world. People basically uh, look at their lives and maybe they would say, well, my life is not so bad. I'm a pretty good moral person. Uh, But they ignore God, right? Right? (laughs) <laughs> I think in some sense in America, the great sin of America is that not that they don't believe God exists. It's that they believe he exists. They just ignore him. They ignore him in their salvation. They ignore them, him in their everyday life, in their, in their uh, workplaces, in uh, how they spend their money, how they spend their time, all of those different things. And so we need to come back to God. We need to come back to our creator, the one who created us and loved us. The problem is that we have a bent away from him and we have a tendency to go to the far side of God and sin against him, to be in rebellion against him. Sometimes it looks very drastic, like drug use or breaking the law or being thrown in jail. Sometimes it's attitudes of the heart. It's an attitude of indifference toward God or it's an attitude of indifference toward people and not loving people. Uh, But anyway, it's, it's something that stands in the gap between us and God and there must be a way to reach across that gap of sin and be reconciled with God and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And so you've all probably seen the bridge illustration with man standing on one side and And uh, God's standing on one side, and there's this gap. And then we always draw a cross in there because Jesus is the bridge from God to man and from man to God. He died for our sins in such a way that when we believe and place our trust in him, he will forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life. And that's what we offer today because we serve a risen Savior, right? He didn't stay in the grave, He didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving by raising from the dead that his sacrifice was acceptable to the Father. If he had committed one sin himself, he would have stayed in the grave. But because he was righteous, he was a righteous sacrifice for our sin. And so God offers that to you today. In fact, he not only offers it, he commands it. He commands that all people repent, turn away from their sin, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision, uh, we, we are praying for you to make that decision today. And if you are a Christian here today and you've kind of got off the track, today's the day to get back on the track and start new because you are a new creature in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we've had to share from your word. We thank you that uh, through the Holy Spirit, you have made us new creatures in Christ, creatures who have died to ourselves, but we've been made alive to God. And we can now enjoy all the good things that you have for us. Uh, we pray for those who do not know you. There may be some here today. There may be others in our families, and our community. We pray that this message would spread like wildfire, that it would spread like a virus uh, on the internet and even faster. That, and it would do so much good for our nation and the world for people to know you and to live in peace with their neighbors. Uh, we ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. amen.